Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. You can't really take him a day off as a person. You can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. You a big St. Patrick's Day guy? My name is Brendan Keeney. You're also wearing a Notre Dame hat right now. So for me, that's actually a very dumb question. I didn't think about that. Joe, this is the first time we've done a show in a long time where it's light outside. I know. I thought that actually leaving here the other day, I felt I was in a... I wasn't in a great mood. I wasn't also in a bad mood. But I left here and the sun was still out and I thought about that. I'm like... Instant good mood for me. Yeah, absolutely. The rest of the day left. This is awesome. That's one of the worst parts of like that late fall. That's like when you really know you're in winter. Is when you leave the building and it's dark. It's just dark. And it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even see the sun sometimes for entire days at a time. Uh, Again, happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. I'm trying to pull up... Uh, i got a couple different monitors in here, and one of them I'm trying to pull up the Providence versus UMass game mm. in the Hockey East tournament. It's like an online stream through CBS Sports that they say is free and available to everybody. But I keep getting, uh, there was an error loading your video. So I would like to be able to tell you, you know, things about Nate Lehman, perhaps. But I can't, because... We're having issues on this end. Uh, not much Sabres today. I wanted lots of bills. You said it early before we started the show. Probably everything that needs to be said about Ralph Kruger being fired has not only been said today on the air on this station, <laughs> but we've been doing it for like a month. Yeah. Like we've been doing this show retroactively for a month. And today's the day, and it's happened. But I don't there's there's no different line of thinking to me other than uh you know it's the first time I thought about John Tortorella being the replacement because he's the favorite at bet online for some reason I'm up for anything man <laughs> I'm up for anything I it, the one thing that struck me today is af, as us Sabres fans go through coach after coach GM after GM at what point do we realize that this core just isn't going to get it done no matter who's in place 
in the front office, no matter who's in place behind the bench. I am more ready than ever to start moving on from core pieces. All right. Well, that's that's the next step. There's no one left to scapegoat. The players have really, for the most part, not been scapegoated since Jack Eichel arrived. Other than you had one. Ryan O'Reilly is really it. Even like Evander Kane was Rista, just an, a Rista UFA. for sure has been scapegoated. But not by the organization. Not by the team. Not by anybody that's got to say. Like yeah. he, he's been on the team the whole sure. time, and he plays 20-plus minutes a night. But I, by the fans, you are certainly correct. Um, but right, like what's next? Sam Reinhardt's got a contract upcoming. Jack Eichel is, is I mean, maybe frustrated. Of course he's frustrated. Maybe he wants out is, uh, is the better way to put that. I want to make um, it clear. I am not blaming any individual core player. And by core player, I mean Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, Darlene, Ristolainen. It's not like Ristolainen and Darlene have been superb, but I'm not placing any individual blame. But at a certain point, it's like we got to do something different. So that's next. I don't really have the stomach for that conversation right now. Yeah, let's talk about um, the Bills. But, yeah, because in part, it's like the Bills are doing fun things. They're not even doing that much. Right. And I like what they're doing. Last night, signing Emmanuel Sanders, I think it's interesting to me that they basically signed Emmanuel Sanders for almost the same money that they saved by getting rid of John Brown. And that, to me, is noteworthy. They are getting, I think, a more well-rounded wide receiver than they had in John Brown. I really liked John Brown as a player, and I think he served well, very well, as a number one wide receiver on this team in 2019. He came in and he stabilized the position of being the number one target on an offense. He's very well, he's definitely capable of that. But I think at this point, even though Sanders is older, I'm seeing more speed out of Sanders' game. And Sanders has always been one of the best route runners in the NFL. So to me, it is not a surprise that he has lasted this long. And he's kind of a physical specimen. Like, he's not DK Metcalf. But this guy two years ago, do you remember when he tore his Achilles? I think for Denver? Mm. He tore his Achilles for Denver at, like, the end of his season, which is like a 10-month recovery period. Yeah. And he was back in six months for week one. And... A lot of times when guys rush back from injuries like that, they don't look the same. He came out and he was just like ready to go. He looked like Emmanuel Sanders. So today's his 34th birthday, but I believe they upgraded at receiver. I don't think it's some dramatic change from John Brown to Emmanuel Sanders, but I do think they upgraded at that position, and I'm glad that the organization and the GM does not feel beholden to the the good soldier who's been here for years and is well-liked by the fans, that he'll be willing to move on from that guy if he sees an upgrade, even if it's only maybe a marginal upgrade. So I really like this move on all, on all angles. Yeah, I've seen nothing but positive things about Sanders' game still, even though it seems like he's been in the league forever and it, he kind of has. But really positive things, not just about like who he's been as a player, but who he is like right now as a player. Still a very good route runner. And another thing I saw that I did not expect for a guy who's in his mid-30s at this point of his career is he's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, like top 10 in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. His, I believe he was either ninth or 10th by some metric, uh, the time it takes him to get one yard past the line of scrimmage is yeah. something incredible. And it's just not something you'd expect for someone who's 34 years old. 
I really like the Sanders idea. And I also, Joe, it's, we're in this, you know, this era of following the Bills where we're watching other teams in the AFC East do what the Bills have done so long for so long. You know, they, they haven't drafted well. The, the Patriots I'm talking about here because obviously they made a bunch of splashes. But the Patriots haven't drafted well for a long time, and they're trying to fill their roster by overpaying for guys to just fill up their roster. And now to be the Bills, and to, to be following the Bills and drafting guys and then re-signing those guys, and then adding guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who really are just compliments to your roster, to the core roster that you have in place, I think is it's a lot of fun, to be honest with you. 803-0550 is the phone number. The Bills have just announced a one-year contract for cornerback Levi Wallace, who was a restricted free agent. He had not received a tender. And I think it was probably trending towards he would not be back, um, but the Bills are bringing him back uh, into the cornerback mix. I don't think that's – I like the – there's not much risk here. I don't see money attached to this. It's official from the team, so generally you don't see that. We'll see if that comes out. But I would imagine this is a very cheap deal, if not even the minimum, for Levi Wallace, who I think is a serviceable cornerback. And it also is not a big enough move. Like if they were to go sign who? Patrick Peterson to where they couldn't use the 30th pick on that position um, or a second-round pick on that position. Right. So the RFA, Sal's tweeting this right now at Sal Sports on Twitter, that he was an RFA, the team did not tender him. That would have cost a minimum of $2.13 million. So Sal's assuming this, and I would assume the same, obviously, that if they didn't want to tender him at 2.13, that the one-year deal is for less than $2.13 million, which is absolutely nothing for a guy that can come in and start for you if you need and he could be just the replacement level guy to come in so i'm good with that um but the, the sanders deal is still the big one so far is there a deal they could make is there an, a guy they could bring in right now that would outrank emmanuel sanders that's also realistic of course kenny galladay you know <laughs> would be bigger um do you think patrick peterson's realistic i haven't seen them mentioned for Have you seen Peterson. anyone mentioned for Patrick Peterson, though? There was something on him earlier today, I think. Um, but I could be wrong. What's your line that. of uh, realism? Is, Kenny Galladay, Juju no, Smith-Schuster, th- they're not going to sign with Buffalo. No, I think uh, maybe Patrick Peterson is kind of uh, a good line for it. Patrick Peterson and Rich- Rich- Richard Sherman. Both veteran cornerbacks who are past their prime. Sherman is... Actually, I don't know. I... I have the sense in my head. My gut tells me that Sherman is a better player at this point, but I've not watched enough of either to to compare the two. Um, But there's merit to both of those signings. Those are all pros from their primes. And if the Bills think – that's kind of what they've been doing. At least they did with Josh Norman. Um, They did with Kevin Johnson the year before in a much lesser uh, contract or lesser idea. But I'm okay if they're just going to keep rotating – you know, let's see if this guy's got anything left in the tank, and we'll pair him with Levi Wallace, and that'll hold down the number two corner spot. That's that's worked well for them. I don't think they need to go spend a first round pick on a cornerback, and I also don't think Patrick Peterson or Richard Sherman. It just, you know, it's not like you're obliterating your cap. You're spending now. You're spending more than anybody in the league on secondary by doing that. I think it's just a, a, a serviceable guy that probably won't cost a ton. I would hope if they start 
approaching $10 million, I'm walking away. I've gotten to the point where I don't really see many positions, if any, on the roster, excluding quarterback, where I'd be completely upset if that's the route they went with the their first-round pick. Mm-hmm. At this point, what roster spots are there really available? That's a good question. I believe wide receiver is now off the table. You think completely? Completely. So even if Kadarius Tony is there at 30, you, I, you don't think it makes sense? I think my Rondell Moore idea is dead. I think they have their group. I think they'll add someone you know, to come in and fill in for Andre Roberts or Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, or maybe it is McKenzie Isaiah back. McKenzie. Maybe, I kind of yeah. hope they do. Maybe they bring in Corderell Patterson. I've seen that idea floated around. Mm. Um, but yeah, like a depth position role like that. But I think they have their top four wide receivers. I think it's going to be Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis. Not necessarily in that order. But I think that's their main group. I think you $6 million is not a ton, but it's significant enough to where I think that's your move at that position. So I'm not really thinking about them picking, you know, Kadarius Tony. And that sucks. I wanted to be thinking about those guys leading into the draft. But I still do like the move. It sucks timing-wise, but I still like Sanders for them. So I think receiver's gone. Tight end is still there for sure, I think. There's just, they, no, there's just no tight end at 30 right now that makes no. sense. Well, even for free agency, it still makes sense. Yeah. They've, in trading Lee Smith, I mean, he was a maybe because we thought he might retire. But now that he's been traded to Atlanta, holy cow, they got to pick for Lee Smith. They got a. They got to pick for Lee Smith. Astounding. They got to pick for Russell Bodine. <laughs> they got to pick for Marshall Newhouse. Yeah. Brandon Bean is even will able to take just. I don't want to call these guys trash because like you know Lee Smith has, has a role, but really said, it's like the trash of your team that like you're just selling to other people. It was a guy who like three or four weeks ago said he was considering retirement. Right. <laughs> like, and you and found you, a way to you sell. You turned that into an asset. Does Atlanta even know if he's going to play? That's what I was thinking. Like, is there a clause here in this deal where if he retires that the Bills don't get that pick? Because it's not like he has only – like it's been speculated upon by a lot of people that Lee Smith is thinking about retirement, at least mulling it over. He maybe even said it on a Nashville radio station. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's where people heard it was on that radio station. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't say conditional pick. My thought would be that it would the pick would revert back to Atlanta if he retires, but I don't know that. But anyways, the, the point is that Smith is gone, for sure, and that you only have two tight ends coming back. You have Reggie Gilliam and you have Dawson Knox. I don't know why I put them in or- that order, but those are the two guys. Uh, Tommy Sweeney is kind of a mystery at this point. He's played in very limited action. I thought he was good in that limited action, but he doesn't rate that highly as a seventh-round pick a couple years ago, and he's also got the, the heart condition myocarditis that stemmed from covid so who knows where he's even at health wise hope obviously hopefully he gets healthy um but in terms of playing football i have no idea where he where tommy sweeney is on that but even if he was 100 percent ready to go right now he doesn't rate high enough for them to not do something else so i think tight end is maybe number one for maybe not in terms of importance because i still would put pass rusher number one for what I want to see them add to. But in terms of what they will add to, I got to think tight end's number one, right? There's no way they go into the season with this tight end group. They could absolutely sure. go into the season with their pass rusher group. Now, they could go in with their linebacker group, their receiver group, running back group, offensive line. They could conceivably go in with everything but tight end. Are we still on Earth's watch, or has that died down? I don't really – I think it's died down because didn't he delete – 
that he liked it. I mean, he liked it. We saw that he liked it. So I guess it doesn't matter whether he deleted it or not. Um, I don't really want to be on Earth's Watch. You don't think there's anything that he could offer? I He's fine. He's good. I don't... The player is good. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Um, he did not have a good season last year. He had a very bad season. The, he also was on a very bad offense. It's not the worst <laughs> idea. He was on a very bad offense. It's not, the, but he also was on an offense where there were no targets. Like he was one of the few guys that you would think could reasonably get open for that quarterback, and he didn't do it. So, yeah. Well, how often did the quarterback? Hit the quarterback his didn't help him. Yeah. That's true. Um, so it's again, it's not an idea I hate. It's also not my favorite idea. Uh, Gerald Everett is probably my favorite idea right now. Um, just because of the, sh- the sheer athleticism at the tight end position. The Bills are going to use those guys in the passing game, and I think Everett fits that better, at least also towards like not just being a one-year fix. Now, Ertz is a one-year fix, but I'm not expecting more than that out of him. So if, if I had to rank where my favorite tight end ideas are, Everett might be one. Everett would definitely be one. Ertz might be two. So I'm not. I don't want to crush the idea too much because he would probably be my second favorite idea. I think I'm on the Ertz train. I would much rather have Ertz. I I think that Dawson Knox is an exceptional athlete. Uh, so you already have that kind of athletic build. You don't need two, you know, of those kind of athletes with Everett and uh, Dawson Knox. It's not like I'd be upset if they got Everett instead of Ertz. I just think if you're talking about varying the position group up a little bit. Yep. Zach Ertz is a guy who has been there, done that in this league for a while. And if you are looking at developing Dawson Knox into your long-term tight end, I think bringing in a guy like Ertz to teach him how to play tight end, you know, like Lee Smith has been around for a while, but it is very different to have Lee Smith in your room than Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been an an actual passing target weapon in his career. The kind of player you'd want Dawson Knox to end up being. And I think that would be good because I still think Ertz has some in the tank because I'm willing to throw out last year because of how bad Philadelphia's offense really was. Put him into a pass-happy, MVP-caliber offense, and I want to see see it go. It would would sure up. All levels of the field, I guess I want to say. You would have three, I would say three, solid guys that can run deep. I think Diggs is very capable of that. I mean, he was the best in football when that was his sole responsibility in Minnesota. So we know he can get open deep. Gabriel Davis actually had the most production for the Bills 20-plus yards down the field last season. And Emmanuel Sanders, that's kind of been you know his notoriety too in the past couple of years is that he's still able to get open deep as well with that, with the speed he has. So you've got the outside and you've got the second and third levels of the field and you've got Cole Beasley for underneath. Ertz would give you a second guy to, to be running over the middle and be able to get open. Um, so for that, I do like the Ertz idea. Um, you do make a good point about Everett and Knox are very similar, but I just, I don't know. I don't want Dawson Knox to stop me from doing anything. Just because Everett, to me, he's not... Who? Is he even Jonu Smith? 
No. Does why why does why is he not rate as high as Janu Smith though? Can we explore that for a second? Because Janu Smith does not have this insane production. And he might jump off the page better as an overall athlete, but Everett has got similar traits that that burst that many tight ends don't have. Gerald Everett only has 1,400 yards receiving in his entire career. But what does Johnny Smith have? Is my point. Like I, I wonder why one was thought of so much more highly than the other. Smith has 1,300, and they've played the same amount of games. In fact, Smith has actually started. 50 games more. I don't know what the snap counts look like. That can be a misleading number. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that would also scare me off, though, because if, if there are teams that think of Everett the, the same way, and I've got to pay him $40 million on a four-year deal, then I don't want to be going near Gerald Everett. But that is confusing about Everett now that I look more at his numbers. I mean, he averaged over 10 yards a catch. Yep. He had a 40-yard reception. He only had one touchdown last year. I don't know. The touchdown numbers are very down. Smith has double whatever it does. So maybe that's the big difference. Um, at but, being a red zone. But target. I'm not. I'm not too interested in red zone targets. It's not like I don't want them. I'm just saying you have sure. your own cheat code in Josh Allen in the red zone, and he's historically been exceptional in the red zone. I'm not too worried about who's scoring touchdowns. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, me too. Gabriel Alan. Davis has proven that he can be. Yeah, Allen. <laughs> Allen running is all. Allen running there. is pretty much the guy. But like Diggs gets his touchdowns. Gabriel Davis showed that he can be. He can get open in the red zone. Like I'm not too worried about red zone targets, but he does have the athleticism. I want to see a tight end who can stretch the field a little bit. Like the the idea of Kyle Rudolph is a complete no go for me. Really, right, because I agree. And in part, I think what you're about to say, like the red zone part of it. Like yeah, just his because number he's one a, trait. Yeah. They already got guys who can do that. I don't even think they need to throw the ball when they're down there. Because, again, <laughs> I just want to be running Josh Allen every time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Cole Beasley is obviously is honestly a good red zone threat. Like Anyone who can him, get open at the line of scrimmage, which right. they now have three of the better players in football at doing that, yeah, just in Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley. Just because a guy's big doesn't mean they're a good red zone target. Or that means mean it's a good idea. Sure. It's not in fact, it's usually a bad idea to just throw it to your biggest guy. It's usually the least efficient way to get into the end zone. It can work. But I I'm the I'm about creating space and being creative and no. not just throwing it up in the air. I'm not saying that Kyle Rudolph couldn't be good at that. I'm just not thrilled about the idea to me it would be a waste well, because you have an offense that's already good in the red zone because you have a cheat code quarterback who can run and pass I want a seam stretching kind of tight end who can get chunk plays and you're right I do like the idea of Everett mm -hmm. but I also I still really like Zach Ertz me too Okay, so if it's not Ertz, let's say it's not Ertz, Everett, or any of these guys. Like they're again, they're going to add someone. They, the, it's interesting to me the Gronk rumor that Mike Silver had it from NFL.com. Take it with a grain of salt, but Mike Silver had it that the, Gronkowski was considering a similar offer from the Bills to what he got in Tampa, which was one year, ten million. If the Bills were willing to spend ten million dollars on an aging tight end, that actually leads me to Jared Cook. It could, I, I was seriously thinking the same thing. It could lead me to Ertz, too, because the compensation yep. trade-wise is probably going to be minute. And cap-wise, then, it's about the same to what you were willing to give Gronkowski, 
I think, for the team trading for Ertz is what they're on the hook for. But Cook might even be cheaper than that. And he should be. I would hope that he is because I don't, I don't no. put Cook and Ertz in the same tier right now. Me neither. But in terms of their style, Ertz, I feel, I, I think of more as like getting open over the middle of the field, just sitting down in soft zones, kind of, and just finding those spaces right. and kind of being crafty in, in the way. Cook is still kind of that seam stretcher that you just talked about. Okay. Like he's just kind of running straight down the field. He, I, I don't see much more to his game than that, but he's been effective in, in what he's done. Uh, even the last couple of years, you know, like he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but seven touchdowns, nine touchdowns, six touchdowns, and we're talking over 500 yards each year. That last year in Oakland, three years ago, he had 100 targets and he ended up with 900 yards. He's only two years removed from that. Really, Ertz and Cook are both two years removed from their best seasons by a wide margin. Um, and again, Cook, I would think, is cheap, the cheapest of all these guys. We I just agree. Mentioned. Yeah. So where does he rank for you on the, on this list of ideas? Probably third. I mean, here's the thing. I don't... Also, we haven't talked about where the draft pick would rank. Like, Pratt, Pat Fryermuth is the Penn State kid. He probably goes would, later than that. Right. He would like If the Bills were to trade down and get Pat Fryermuth, I'm not huge on tight ends in the draft because it takes a little bit. That'd be last on my list. Right, and exactly. It would be last on mine because you are in win-now mode. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know you're going to get your uh, franchise quarterback in this draft, and you want to try to get him a tight end to pair with for the long term, then by all means take Pat Fryermuth in the second round with one of your picks. Mm -hmm. But you're the Bills, and you're trying to close the distance between Kansas City, and you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, I think you can better spend your assets to get you closer this year than taking a tight end in the second round or first round because they'd have to take them. I believe as of right now, you'd have to take them at thirty or trade down. I don't think you're getting him at sixty. What three? Yeah. Um, by the way, there has been a tight end trade in the league in the last couple of minutes. Nothing major. In fact, probably nobody's heard of this guy other than me because I'm in some very deep fantasy leagues. <laughs> uh, but the Ravens have acquired tight end Josh Oliver from the Jaguars for a conditional seventh-round pick. He was a third-round pick a couple years ago, but has not. I mean, he's only played four games because of injuries. Like, athletic, fast, um, but injury-prone. So he's going to Baltimore. D keep an eye on that name because he might actually become something there. Um, but, yeah, we're talking tight end here. I think it's the most obvious position for what the Bills absolutely will add. They'll add somebody. Now, I do want to talk some running back at some point when we come back. And not the typical, oh, should the Bills draft Travis Etienne at 30? There's some guys in free agency, including one that kind of just maybe became available that I think are, there's at least two names I think are very intriguing uh, for the Bills who are more under-the-radar guys. We'll get to that as well when we come back on the nightcap. Taking your calls at 803-0550. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. All right, welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. I might just have to erase that first segment from the record books. Wow, this is a real quick turnaround from being like, this is my number one idea for the Bills at a certain position, and then instantly it's over. Maybe. We don't quite know. <laughs> we, we don't know. Gerald Everett, who I just told you... Nope, it's over. Five to six minutes ago... <laughs> That he would be my favorite idea for the Bills at tight end. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted 12 
with five exclamation points. It's official. And it's official? Yep, it's official. Seahawks reached agreement on a deal with former Rams tight end Gerald Everett. Former second-round pick set career highs with 41 catches and 417 yards last season. That's a bummer. I would have loved to get him at one year $6 million. Well, I feel like we just wasted 20 minutes of our lives. I do, too. This happened to us. Didn't this just happen to us? Last week. With what? Because we were we were talking about Zaven Collins, and if you dr- oh, yeah. if you draft a linebacker at thirty, and then yeah. like you know, and then the Bill signed Milano. Yep. Um, this one's worse than that. That at least like people would have had time, you know, <laughs> to like be like, oh, I wonder what they were talking about on the nightcap. Tonight. The words were still in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. We. You. Maybe you hadn't even heard it yet. Like, there's a delay. I know on the <laughs> on the stream. Like, it's. I think it's only by like. 10 seconds, I'm not really sure. Um, but right, maybe you hadn't even heard me say yet that Gerald Everett was the best idea uh, for the Bills at tight end. So now I maybe, I guess, Zach Ertz shoots the number one for me. That process of elimination. All so, right, well, I'm glad we can move on. Seattle, by the way, doing this. There's There was weird reports about Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown earlier today. Did you see that? That Brown is trying to recruit Brown to, sorry, Wilson is trying to recruit Brown to Seattle. And to me, that would mean that there's no way there's a Russell Wilson trade happening. He's not out there recruiting players to Seattle if he what, thinks he's getting moved. What if What if he was, like, recruiting players to, like, Carolina? That, how, oh. <laughs> how funny would I, that be? Are we sure he's actually recruiting them to Seattle? Maybe he was just recruiting them. I'm recruiting this guy. <laughs> I'm recruiting him to, uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, Bill's news, by the way, if you missed it, Levi Wallace is returning on a one-year deal. Also, Quinton Jefferson. Uh, former Bills defensive tackle is signing with the Raiders on a one-year deal. And then just now, uh, around the league, Gerald Everett to the Seattle Seahawks. One year, $6 million. If I'm comparing Everett to these other guys, first off, no way should Gerald Everett have gotten that much less than Jonu Smith. Actually, let me rephrase that. No way should Jonu Smith have gotten that much more than Gerald Everett. New England, we should all be laughing at them right now. Basically the same player, a similar player, just with less touchdown production, just got signed for one year, $6 million. New England signed their guy for four years, $50 million. <laughs> I don't I don't get the it. The Patriots are having a bad free agent period. They ever you know, on the national media and everyone, most of the national media is like all back on the Bill Belichick New England Patriots bandwagon. Oh, they're going for it all. I just don't see it. I don't see it. You have Cam Newton, Cam Newton throwing Cam Newton. Cam Newton throwing the football still. It's that simple. It's that simple. You can add as many of the 10th through 15th best tight ends in the NFL that you want. I will listen to an argument that they will that they could make the playoffs this year. I'll like, listen to that argument. I could listen to that. Yep. Because at the end of the day they were a 7 they were a 7 and 9 team last year that were missing a ton of pieces on defense from opt-outs headlined by Dante Hightower. Those guys will be returning this year. They did add good players. On their defensive side of the football, I would say they overpaid. Um, well, they had at least one good player. I'm not Judon. sure Jalen Mills is actually good. They yeah. did pay him a lot of money. I don't think he's actually good. Judon's a good player. They overpaid him, but he's a good player. So they're getting High Tower back. They're getting Judon back. They're getting a couple of other pieces back. Um, and then on the offensive side of the football, Cam looked shot last year, but there's a chance that that's not going to repeat. 
that he could come back to form a bit. I don't think he'll ever look like the Cam Newton that he was. But he was coming off a major surgery. He showed up late to the Patriots, learning that playbook. Um, when did he sign? In July? It was well into summer because it was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, right. And he didn't have any wide receivers. Again, they way overpaid for Nelson Aguilar and uh, – and, um, who am I think? Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, who is a name that many will forget, like I just did. Uh, and then <laughs> they added the two tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. That's a that's a much better fleet sure. to throw the ball to. It's not a good fleet or a great one, but it's vastly improved. And there's reports out there that they're like looking into Chris Carson. So maybe they'll improve at running back too. So they've really improved at all levels. And they were seven and nine, so this is seventeen game season. So I got to change my thinking. They could be a nine and eight team this year. Wow, that was weird to say. And the other thing, <laughs> the, the conference this year, the AFC is very top heavy right now, as of March seventeenth. It's very top heavy. You got your Kansas Cities, your Buffaloes, your Baltimores, and then there's kind of a drop off. If you want to throw Cleveland into that, I don't know if people do yet, but. I don't I think you could make an argument for a lot of the rest of the teams below that top tier as there's reasons why they will and won't make the playoffs. The Steelers, if Ben Roethlisberger plays like he did it this the second half of last season, the Steelers aren't making the playoffs. The Colts, what are they going to be without Phil Rivers? Is can Carson Wentz come back to form? I, I can absolutely see the Patriots sneaking into a playoff spot. Am I worried? about the Patriots taking over the division again? No. I just had to tweet that in a poll just because I wanted people to just look at how weird the records look. <laughs> what will the Patriots record be in 2021? I gave you four options. 10 and 7, 9 and 8, 8 and 9, and 7 and 10. It's going to be a weird looking year stat-wise. Um, but yeah, they, they, by the way, swept up the top two tight ends on the market. And that has made the the entire realm of tight ends, a lot different for the Bills. Um, All right, well, let's get to running back before we run out of time in this segment. Mike Boone to the Denver Broncos. Not a big name in running back circles, but a a guy that will play and more of a special teamer that was the third stringer for the Minnesota Vikings. But it's another body there. They still do have Royce Freeman. So they could go into the year with Melvin Gordon, Royce Freeman, and Mike Boone. In fact, I think that's where this is trending because the the Broncos also gave Phillip Lindsay the low tender, meaning they'll get no compensation if a team poaches him. He's good. I think he's a good running back. I think he has been underrated because of his draft position, but I like that idea for the Bills. I think he's a more dynamic down or like home run type threat back than both of the guys they have right now. I think he's a better pass catcher than both of the guys that they have right now. He's one idea for the Bills, and then I have one other. This doesn't move the meter as much, but it makes sense. It actually makes – the Bills could do something else in concert with this. Damian Williams just okay. got released by the Chiefs. To me, the way I've been wording it, he is TJ Yeldon and Taiwan Jones wrapped into one player. He has tons of experience playing special teams, and he has a very good skill set for being a pass-catching running back. 
He can be your TJ Yeldon. He could be your Taiwan Jones in one roster spot. Um, and that would afford you to only have to carry three running backs on the roster in general, and they could all be in the active game lineup. And I think you could also do something else. He doesn't rate that much to where if you wanted to draft Travis Etienne, you could do Travis Etienne with Zach Moss and Damian Williams. What, so, do, you think, what so, do you think of those two ideas? I like the Philip Lindsay idea. I like the Lindsay idea because I do think he adds an element of home run possibility that you currently don't have with Moss and Singletary. I mean, he has five yards per touch in his career. His last year is a little bizarre, though. Like, why did they stop using him in Denver? Why was he—he he came into the league and he had over 1,000 yards, and then he had twice, actually, 2018 and 2019. And then last year he didn't play in as many games. He played in 11 games, but still only 502 yards. And his usage, everything is just going down. His yards per attempt has gone down every single year. His receiving yards per game has gone down actually significantly. It went from 2.3 to 2.2 to 0.6 receptions per game. You know, so I don't know what kind of went on last year, but I would be interested in figuring out if he could be a good reclamation project. I do like that idea of Lindsay. What do I like more, the idea of Lindsay or drafting ETN? I'm going to go with ETN. I think the Bills are in the position where it's okay if you draft a running back. This isn't the second pick in the draft. This isn't the New York Giants, and you have a whole roster to to build. You have your roster. Like, how many starter spots are even up for grabs? One. Tight end. Well, tight end and running back. So, two. Sorry. Are those, they're, But they're not really up for grabs. It's not like anyone's like, well, no, okay, oh, right. what are they going to do? No, sh- okay, right, right. Like, they, they you could have a, be you up could, You have a potential starting tight end in Dawson Knox yes. that isn't glaring. Sure, a lot of people, including myself, would like to improve that, mm-hmm. but it's not glaring. Your running backs aren't glaring. You want a little bit of a different skill set in there, but if you went in with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss as your two running backs next year, it'd be a little disappointing, but still wouldn't be a disaster. Yeah. Lindsey, man, I don't know what Denver's problem was with him. I mean, well, their problem was they went out and they signed Melvin Gordon. Um, But he has been... I mean, his three years right now in yards per carry would be like Melvin Gordon's best three years of his career. He's got 2,000-yard seasons. Yeah. Last year, he was almost on pace for 1,000 yards, and he didn't even start all the time because he was obviously splitting time with Gordon. Um, I wouldn't expect him to come here and be a 1,000-yard back, but he would be more effective in the pass game. And, right, he gives a little bit of that dynamic trait that they don't have. ETN, I think, of course, would be a much higher ceiling player. Oh, yeah. But But the question is, like, the value. Yeah. How do you how do you value the thirtieth pick? Is it worth it to get ETN and improve your running backs that way? Yep. Or to make a somewhat marginal upgrade and then use your thirtieth pick somewhere else, which, you know, analytically might be more valuable if you use it on a pass rusher. Yep. Well, seeing how this show has been going, uh, Philip Lindsay's about to sign with uh, some other team in the next five minutes while we take a timeout. <laughs> I uh, thought hope- you were being serious for a no. second. No, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that does not happen. Um, but we'll see. And uh, more on the Bills when we come back. I don't really think we need to revisit 
the Sabres, you can uh, check out Kevin Adams' Zoom call in full uh, at WGR550.com and radio, in the radio.com app. Plus, you can check out all of our shows from today. Howard and Jeremy, the instigators, did an extra hour in midday. And then uh, show up in the Bulldog as well if you're looking for more on the Sabres letting go Ralph Kruger earlier today. More Bills talk, though, when we come back with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap, St. Patrick's Day edition here on WGR. This song actually makes me miss uh, just being out being out on St. Patrick's Day. One of the top five holidays, in my opinion. Yes. you got to be young probably to have that opinion. Um, you got to be young but not too young. Right. Yeah, there's no... There's a soft spot. There's no 10-year-old walking spot, around loving St. Patrick's Day that much, I don't think. Um... Oh, by the way, Joe, I just looked your tweet that you just posted the uh, Gerald Everett Johnu Smith comparison is yep. mind-boggling. It's pretty it's it's astounding. I would rather have Johnu Smith. But come on with the difference in contract. New England is going to get buried, I think, when some of these receiver contracts start pouring into. Because Galladay right now, the Bengals offering him a one-year prove it deal. Prove what? He's oh, of, I don't think it's a prove-it deal. That's what, that is what uh, Diana Rossini, or not Diana Rossini, um, oh, who had it? Albert Breer. Albert Breer labeled the Bengals' offer as a prove-it deal. Now, that doesn't mean the Giants are offering him that, and that's who he's visiting with. See, is a one-year deal a prove-it deal, or is it a, I don't think I'm going to get what I think I deserve simply because of the COVID-slash-salary cap situation this year, um, so I'm going to take a one-year well, deal so that next year... I can make bank when I'm actually hitting free agency in its full. That is probably more likely. Um, what does know. anyone have to prove to the Cincinnati Bengals? Especially Kenny Galladay's been good. What does he have to prove? <laughs> that he, I mean, he might have to prove that he's healthy, but on the field, he's been dynamite his right. entire career. Um, so that's a weird one. But Will Fuller? There's nothing on Will Fuller. Yeah, I have I not heard. I only saw that the Titans checked in. That's really all I've seen about Will Fuller. Yeah, so I think like kind of similar to what just happened with Gerald Everett versus Jonu Smith, the Patriots are going to get buried when some of these receivers that are twice as good as Nelson Aguilar drops McGee, as I call him. Um, <laughs> How and about Nelson and Aguilar's... the guy I can't remember, Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne. Bourne. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar is not even to me to me as good as Marvin Jones. No, me neither. And Marvin Jones had a much, much more team-friendly deal than Nelson Aguilar. Do you think that no, – uh, I was about to call them Notre Dame. Do you think <laughs> New England is to the point where they have to just overpay free agents, especially wide receivers, to come there? I think like, so. What's the quarterback situation? You guys are signing tight ends, so who knows what that offense is going to look like. Well, they're trying to play, I think, to Newton's skill set. Newton, his most targeted p- player throughout his career is Greg Olson. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but Greg likes... Olson's also Greg Olson. Right. And, well, Hunter Henry's very good. Smith could be great even with an expanded opportunity. I don't know that he's getting it, by the way, um, because he's got to share the tight end group. Right. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to work that well. I think it'll be improved. I mean, their leading receiver last year, Jacoby Myers, had more passing touchdowns than he had receiving touchdowns. Um, I don't think that's going to repeat. But also, Edelman might be coming back. I didn't even mention him. He's been quiet. 
Is he going to get cut? He'll end up in Tampa somehow. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Um, the, yeah. the reason I think Jonu Smith is simply because isn't it like known as a fact that they misused him or underused him in yeah, Tennessee? It is. So it's really just kind of a potential-based contract. Is that what it, is that what Jonu Smith is? Because the because the fact that Gerald Everett has more yards in essentially <laughs> the same amount of games as Jonu Smith. The only difference I really see in their stats is that Jonu Smith has twice the number of touchdowns. That's about it. Is is eight extra touchdowns in a four-year period worth forty-four million dollars? A half yard <laughs> more uh, per reception, uh, yards per reception. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck, Patriots. I love uh, that they're doing this. I love that they're the team that's being dunked on right now for for overpaying and everybody. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the nightcap tonight. And then a little dropkick Murphy's. Great closeout music. Um, you can check out all of the, our stuff on Ralph Kruger's firing and Don Granado being behind the bench now at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. And if you want to check out the story that Sal just put up on Levi Wallace, who just signed on a one-year contract, go check that out on the website as well. Sabres and Bruins tomorrow for the first time all year, which means we will talk to you next on Friday here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR.